0: Hello, Toddler Purgatory listeners.
1: What's up? This is Molly, one of your co-hosts here. Hey, hey, I'm Blair. And today we have a special guest in the house for our Father's Day speciale. Who's yes, here, Molly? Toddler
0: Purgatory listeners, Todd Perks, please meet my dad. Yes! He's the best! This is Dick Lloyd. Welcome to the show, Dad. Yay
2: thank you glad to be here
0: <laughs> we are so happy to talk to you today you're one of the you know best dads i was gonna say we know in our lives blair met him four and a half minutes ago
1: <laughs> i can concur listen anyone who brought you on this planet molly lloyd good people in my book if you thought i wasn't gonna cry this episode
0: you're uh, kidding yourself so wrong Dad, thanks for being here. We love the perspective. We've had our moms on before, and we love the perspective of someone who has been in the parenting trenches for a while and has some good perspective on it. But first, I want to go back to kind of growing up when you were a kid. You had uh, two siblings and lived with your parents in Rhode Island. And I'm just wondering when you were growing up, what were the family values that were stressed in your home growing up? What did your mom and dad stress to you were important?
2: I think that I've been thinking a little bit about this. Times really changed since I was a kid. I mean, my father, he was kind of distant. As a matter of fact, your mom might have even said the same thing. That Back in those days, they didn't really get into parenting that much. They didn't, you know, they're more into discipline than they were into parenting. And so we didn't really have a real close relationship. And I I may have actually at some point in my life said that I was going to get more involved with the kids than he was. So family values, well, I don't know, we, uh, <laughs> it was just one of those things. You just roll through life, and you. Uh, I think that they were into things like make sure you're home and have dinner with the family. Mm-hmm. As I was working over the years, I saw a lot of kids that didn't go home for dinner with their family, and that's one of the major things that I've read since then that are important in terms of scholarship and sociability and, and respect for people. So,
0: you can imagine in these times with people working from home, so really some people never even leave the office so to speak because they can be answering emails during dinner time and and they're expected to.
2: I would tell you that if we were sitting at the table today with my father and mother and I pulled out a cell phone,
0: <laughs> <laughs> how would that go over?
2: My father would have thrown it through the window out into the street. He would be like that, and uh, he wouldn't have put up with that kind of stuff, even though nowadays you'll see whole tables of people on their cell phone at a restaurant not even talking to each other. So So. weird,
1: right? It's weird for us, right, Molly? Like, that kind of behavior is weird. It is.
0: Yesterday we were at the Children's Museum, my son and I, and we were in the play kitchen, And I took out my phone to take a picture, which I probably sent to you guys, dad, because I always take
2: pictures. Is that when he was dressed as a frog?
0: Oh, after he was dressed as a frog, he had a little apron on and he was making me some espresso. It's fine. But so I took out my phone to take that picture and he turned to me and said, Mama, no phones at the table.
1: Yes.
3: Yes.
0: And I was like, look, I will take any parenting win that I can.
2: This this is not a phone. It's a camera right now.
0: Yeah, exactly, (laughs) exactly. Exactly. It's the tiny computer that runs our lives. (laughs) Uh, It does a lot. (laughs) But I have to say that I can say, having been raised by you, that that was important when I was a kid too. You guys, you did do that. You and mom, you know, also there was a little bit more of a traditional family structure than that is a little bit harder to come by now. But like, we were all pretty much home at dinner time.
2: Right. Yeah. That was kind of the rule.
0: Yeah. And then later when we got into sports and stuff, we, you know, kind of had to make some adjustments. And sometimes I came home and there was the my plate of dinner in the microwave or whatever waiting for me. And, <laughs> and that was just part of being a teenager. But, yeah, I cannot safely say that you passed down that. I think if we took a cell phone out, you would have for sure thrown it out the window.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> yeah.
1: How do you think you would have treated a son differently than you did your two daughters?
2: You know what? I don't think very differently at all. Okay. I would probably have reacted differently. I mean, I got to tell you the truth. Molly and Jenny were really easy to raise. That's nice. They were good kids. Aww. I mean, they were also good. We had foster kids as well. And uh, they were good with the foster kids. And they treat them like you know, siblings. And they, we did have one that was a little bit difficult. Molly and Jenny were able to uh, not only you know, be good with him, but also they could entertain themselves if we we're preoccupied with his things. But I think we we're in sort of that unisex raising a kid's generation. I did the things that I would do with, with a boy, because that's all I know how to do. I took him fishing.
0: Oh, yeah. He still does. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, right.
0: You take me fishing. Sometimes when we're on family vacations together, me and my dad are the only ones who go fishing.
2: <laughs> and then, uh, you know, like we're, I tried to be more involved, like I said. So, you know, I would show up at your baseball games or, or softball games. And mom and I even coached softball when you were um, here and you were probably in the sixth or seventh grade, something like that.
0: And sometimes I would be standing on second base and I would look at the first base coach and it was my dad and I would look down the other line and the third base coach was my
1: mom. <laughs> they had me
0: surrounded.
1: <laughs> tell me this, yeah, what yeah. made you decide to foster children, which I think is so admirable and amazing?
2: I'm going to tell you the truth. It's Molly's mom, Linda, thought up that idea. It wasn't me. Mm. But I actually liked the idea. It was a good one. And, uh, you know, we were able to do it. and That's the least we could do sometimes, you know. So, yeah, it worked out well. And Molly and Jenny, of course, were not a problem. So that made it, you know, much more doable for us. So,
1: yeah.
0: Well, you know, to be honest, we had each other. And I feel like, you know, me and Blair always say, oh, hugs and amen to anyone who has, you know, any children, but much less multiples. But we also say, you know, there was a comfort, like, me and Jenny could just, like, play. Like, I had someone to play with. Mm-hmm.
2: Right.
0: Dad, do you see any difference in, you know, from the perspective of grandpa now, when you look at me and my husband raising our son, is it weird for you to see some, like, do you see differences not only, I guess it would not only be sort of modern times, too, modern parenting is different, but also raising a boy and also raising an only child, like, What are some things you see from your grandpa perspective (laughs) that are different from when you were parenting?
2: Well, I got to admit, you guys do a good job of spending a lot of time with him and paying a lot of attention and taking him places. We were preoccupied when you were little. I'd be a much better parent today than I I was then. You know, working and I I was in the reserves. I was uh, gone at least one week in the month and I was working one night a week in the school system and then I was also... uh, part of the you know the psychology association, so I don't know. You guys, and you're being kind of an at-home mom a little bit, has been a big help to him, too, I think. so.
1: Also, we're old. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, truth be told. I mean, to be honest.
2: I will tell you, you guys are a little more established than we were. We were on the run. We even you know, bought a house, moved in a new house. We moved twice when you were little. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there was a lot going on.
0: You're right. Like that's the difference of there are benefits and downsides to having kids early. The benefit is you have the energy to (laughs) do all these things. You're establishing your career, establishing your family. And but also you might not have been able to be there as much because you were on that upward climb. You guys were working, working, doing, doing it. Also, you and mom, and I said this in my interview with mom as well, were great role models for us as far as like work ethic, because you guys were. I mean, it was dark out and I would wake up and look out the window and wave to mom going to work. Yep. Then you would do whatever crazy hairstyle I asked for. <laughs> oh. You
2: know he
1: did your hair?
2: Oh, stop. That's amazing. He did. I gave her ponytails so tight that she she look like she just had a, <laughs> a facelift. <laughs> And
0: then I got into that phase where I wanted like a braid on one side and a ponytail on the other. And my dad was like, oh, you lost me there.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I actually got to where I could do a braid pretty good, I think. You
1: did. You absolutely did. (coughs) All right. Come through,
4: Dick Lloyd and your braids. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, mom had to go to work early, so I had the kids for the morning. But she did a lot because she was there at night a lot. I get home late, and she carried the ball in. It was kind of a team effort.
0: She got home at four or four thirty, and I remember this because I had to very quickly shut off the love boat, which was in syndication. Oh mm-hmm. uh, yeah! But don't worry, we got a chance to watch General Hospital before she got home, so we were fine.
2: <laughs> <laughs> remember Jenny saying, "We're going to Australia." <laughs> Oh, because we were going to take the love boat. boat. The love boat was in Australia one year, I guess.
0: (laughs) They also went to Puerto Vallarta a lot. I don't know why. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. I remember that. (laughs) And then one last question, Dad. So, if present you, if present grandpa, papa could say anything to you as a young dad, any words of advice or encouragement or perspective, what would you say to young you?
2: Well, I think I would have been better at listening to you guys. As a matter of fact, uh, Link and I both were discussing this uh while ago link
0: is one of dad's friends oh, okay
2: yeah we we're both school psychologists and we talked to a lot of kids in the school and actually sit down for half an hour and listen to what they want to talk about we finally decided we might be better parents to the kids in school than we are to our own kids
1: why is that <laughs> because you were getting paid you're getting paid yeah right exactly you're getting paid never mind i know the answer to that <laughs>
2: No, I just feel like I was so distracted all the time while like mom always says he'd be reading Time magazine when he should have been listening to the kids.
0: <laughs> In your defense though, me and me especially, but Jenny as well, we were talkers. <laughs> Man, did we love the sound of our own voices? And also the stuff that was happening to us was extremely important. Oh, so important. Too. who was mad at who missed the bus
2: <laughs>
0: who wasn't invited to a party and i'm sure we told you guys all about it <laughs> yeah. so you would say to a younger you or to young dads today to listen more and
2: make sure you get a little time every day to listen to each kid for a little while
0: that's a good idea especially and that has to be hard with people who have more than one kid you know
2: Yeah, you're distracted. And of course, I always wanted to talk to mom about stuff. And I think we were pretty good at making sure that we made time for ourselves as much as spending all our time taking care of the kids, you know. But that was easy to do because you guys took care of yourself.
0: (laughs) We were building entire forts in the woods for our Barbies and stuff.
2: Yes. Oh, Barbies. yep, And they'd be out on the grass with the Barbie dolls. Half an hour later, I'd look out there. They're still out on the grass with the Barbie dolls. goodness. They didn't wander off the (laughs) reservation or anything.
0: (laughs) Well, I will say this, and David and I, my husband and I do talk about this, that we are lucky. Examples such as my mom and dad, when my dad got home, so my mom got home first, we'd like talk her ear off. She's like trying to take change out of her work clothes into her comfortable clothes. She's trying to get dinner started, whatever. And We're just like, when dad got home, we knew that it was time for them to get caught up on Mm. their dates like that. We just knew it. So we, you know, we would do things while my mom was home or just before, where we would like make the plate with cheese and crackers. One time, I incorrectly made them gin and tonics. <laughs> <laughs> Should a child have been handling gin? I don't know. It was the <laughs> '80s, you guys. Back off. No one
1: cared.
0: <laughs> no one cared. But we weren't drinking it. But I was trying to make it and make it this thing because I knew that when Dad got home, they liked to put their feet up, have a little snacky poo and a drinky poo. And me and Jenny would jump in the pool or we'd whatever. And you guys would, would sit and chat for maybe it was even a half an hour. It wasn't you guys weren't doing it for hours. And then we all kind of got up and, you know, dad put on his, you know, work clothes or whatever. And we'd have dinner and blah, 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 blah. But there was that time when you got home where we knew and we knew we were important to you, even though you didn't listen. You read Time Magazine. It's okay. <laughs> but we knew we were important to you. But it also showed us the importance of your marriage
1: Mm, mm -hmm. and in
0: maintaining that. And I think that's a really good reminder for today's parents as well, myself included. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. (laughs) And thank you, Dad,
1: for talking to us today.
2: Oh, thank you for having me. I enjoyed it.
1: So nice to meet you, Mr. Lloyd.
2: You too, Blair.
1: I just want to know, has Molly always been this funny?
2: Yeah, she was. She was a hoot.
0: I made you guys, I would make them (laughs) listen to me. I would stand on rocks in the yard. And make them listen to me sing songs from musicals. Yes, you did. You know who listened? Lynn and Dick. You know how many times they listened? Not as many times as I would have sung it. <laughs> <laughs> You're such good parents. And I know that the role of father has changed. And it's interesting to hear you that your dad, you know, was more distant. My grandpa, who was a great grandpa, you know, but I don't know how he was as a dad. But the role of father has changed so much. And... It must be really interesting for you to see I don't know, to see other how the family unit has changed. The role of father has changed,
2: you know? Well, they're much more involved with their kids now, which is good.
0: They can't finish a magazine.
2: <laughs> My father was much better as I became an adult. He was you know much more affectionate and probably thought he was gonna die.
0: <laughs> wow, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Way to put it a perspective. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Dad, so much for being here. I love you.
2: All right. I love you, too. Thank you for having me.
0: And Blair loves you, too, even though she's only known you for 10 and a half love minutes.
2: You. Thank you. I love her, too.
0: <laughs> Todd Perg's listeners will be right back with more Father's Day
5: goodness. Stick around. It's January, and for me that means New Year's resolutions. I don't know about you, but eating more healthy foods is always on the top of my goal list. Eating healthy is now easier with Hungry Root, and right now Hungry Root is offering toddler purgatory listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Hungry Root makes it easy to eat healthy. They support all the major diets and lifestyles, including gluten-free, vegan vegetarian, dairy-free, low carb, and others. Hungry Root is the easiest way to get fresh high-quality food delivered to your door. They've got healthy groceries and simple recipes all in one place. I love that Hungry Root recommends recipes and groceries based on my taste. I like to take their suggestions, and I always love what I get. My favorite are their burritos. I can quickly heat up a burrito and have lunch with no hassle. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Toddler Purgatory listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com Toddler toddler to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's hungryroot.com/toddler. Don't forget to use our link so they'll know we sent you.
4: When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit massimostork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. Welcome back, everybody, to Toddler Purgatory. It's Father's
0: Day Father's special. Day. And we have, oh, this just in. You thought we only had one guest today? Oh, no. Uh-uh-uh-uh. uh uh No, 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 no. Because for our Father's Day episode, we can't get too many dads. Blair, who have we got in the house
1: today? Oh, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce the one and only
3: Charles Brooks III.
1: Dad, welcome to Toddler Purgatory. Thank you so much for being here.
3: Well, thank you for inviting me, Blair.
1: Dad, we just want to, like, just get into, like, what's it like for Chuck Brooks... Being the awesome dad that he is. You know, just ask you a few questions. I want to know, how did Grandpa, yeah, express his affection in your childhood while you were growing up?
3: My father was a very demanding guy. He was a very strict guy. And so he grew up in it. Only now can I reflect back on it because during my growing up, I really had problems. He was always six feet, he was always ten feet tall and bulletproof. And I never understood what he wanted, how he acted. And I was always afraid of him. I was afraid of his action because again, it was he was the kind of dad that wanted me to be all I could be. And I was such a little shy person that he wanted me to break out of that. He came from a background of really he came from East St. Louis Illinois East st. Louis Illinois is the murder capital of the United States
5: mm,
1: mm-hmm. still to this day
3: and to this day it's true and so to get out of that he joined the Marine Corps and so he was really into you know, always expressing that manhood that manliness and it I didn't have the same personality but I wanted the same personality and so my expression of love, was never quite what I think now it should be, should have been.
1: So how did that affect how you parented, how you fathered?
3: Right. It took me a while to understand that what children needed, what kids needed. It took me a while to understand that. Probably about 40 years, probably.
1: (laughs) How did not?
3: (laughs) Well, it, it took me a while to understand that parents or kids needed to hear, I love you. And my father told me he loved me one time in his life. Okay, so although it sounds sad, it is not. It was one of those things that was, he had finally, that was one of the last things he could say to me. But his actions showed me more. He was at every softball game, I mean, a baseball game as a little league. He was at everything I tried to do. when he wasn't overseas or, or deployed or whatever the case would be, he was there for me. He practiced with me. He did everything with me. He tried to teach me everything he could. So I was always looking up to him and always trying to be as best I could with him. And to this day, I really, really, really love my father. Love my father of what he did for me that I didn't get a chance to express that when he was living.
1: Tough. I mean, he was a hard nut to crack, too. Well, yeah,
3: that's true, and you know that for a fact. I mean, you've visited him, and, and you know that he was not the kind of person that would a kumbaya kind of guy. He was a
1: no. He was real gentle with me, but I could see the way that he would refer to you. It was always like man, boy, boy, man. Right,
3: right, 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 right. Boy, boy,
1: man, man. Right, right. But dad, I gotta say, like the one thing that you were really great at was just like talking to us having like conversations with like, I could like, have a long, remember, like all the long conversations we still have, but like, we would just talk and you would just like, listen, that was like, so important. And so great.
3: Well, I'm glad that happened. I don't remember that I don't remember. What I'm saying is, I know that we had long talks. And I know that I felt very secure with you, meaning that I didn't feel like I had to be a dominant role model, I had to be, you know, I could talk to you like a person. Now, maybe when you were growing up in your teen years, maybe I didn't do such a good job. But as you grew into an adult, I really felt that uh, you were a good friend of mine. Aww. you were. Well, you are. You still are a very good friend of mine. And I don't have many friends. And well, I'm. I don't. But you and Keith are one of. Are the two people? You, the three of you, are are my best friends.
1: Oh, Dad.
3: And uh, so, I, for, well, it's one of those things that, that you don't realize that until till you're all gone, you're out and about and doing your own thing. And then you realize, wow, these are my friends. These are people that really are important to me. And so, anyway, so I, I hope I answered your question. <gasps> yes, you did. First
0: of all... That's awesome. What an incredible thing for Blair to hear. And so thank you for being honest about that. You said growing up or with Blair growing up, you didn't feel that pressure to be a dominant role model. Right? Did you feel that with your son, with Keith? Or like, how did parenting Blair differ from parenting Keith? And obviously, we know everybody has a different personality. But I do wonder how that feeling having had such a 10 foot tall and bulletproof dad growing up as your role model. How did that affect how you raised Keith versus
1: how you raised Blair?
3: Right. Well, remember, Keith came into my life when he was 10 years old.
1: Right. Actually, our listeners don't know that. My brother and I have different fathers, and my parents got together when my brother was 10.
3: Right. Well, I adopted him early on, but trying to be a father, I tried to use my parenting skills when he was 10, and it didn't work.
0: Ah, yes. Got it. He
3: was not the kind. I mean, he was a great kid. He was a great kid. But I thought I had to be the dominant force behind it. I had to be just like my father was to me. And Keith didn't react to that.
4: (laughs) He sure didn't.
3: He did not. He did not react to that. So I I had to find a better way to communicate with him. And uh, the only way I could find was, you know, Okay, I'm going to tell you a story that I hope doesn't get me in trouble. But back in the day, we spanked our children. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I was, um, Keith had done something wrong. When This is like in the first year or two years after we got together. And I was going to, he had done something wrong and I was going to be the macho guy. I was going to come in and I'm going to spank him. Well, Keith was about, uh, he was a bit bigger than most kids. He wasn't a little frail child. He was a meaty kind of guy. <laughs> anyway,
0: Oh, dear.
3: I reached up and I grabbed him and I was about to smack him on the butt. And he turned around with me and he looked at me like, you're going to do what? <laughs> <laughs> and I went, okay, well... Obviously, this is not working because, and so that was the last time I attempted to spank him.
0: I also love the part of the story where you said, I reached up to grab him, which means he was a large person.
3: It was a big guy. It was a big guy. And I was, you know, I I was medium size. But, you know, this child was, what, 10, 11, something like that, thereabouts. And I thought that, you know, I could just manhandle him and, and just beat him into submission. Well, that didn't work. work. So
0: so what did you tack to? What did you change direction and find that worked for you? And obviously, of course, everybody's an individual, but I'm just curious what you found that did work.
3: Well, I found that uh, he reacted to me being a kind of somebody he could talk to. This someone, instead of being a old meanie, I could actually talk to him. And uh, this went on for years. Keith became one of my best friends. I really, I mean, I say that. For sure. Because he was just there for me. And I hopefully I was there for him. But I was really, really part of his life. I mean, he was part of my life as we grew up together. Mm-hmm. Be-
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, you guys, you grew up together. Yes. Yeah, for sure. And figuring things out together. Yeah. Which is what happens when you are a young parent, Right. Yes. And then I came into your world and you were like, wow, a perfection has arrived. I need not do much but stare at this
3: creature. Well, that too. <laughs> That's very so. But there was a little bit more. I realized that this creature, this person that we had uh, brought into the world, was so much different than this child, Keith. You know, this was now someone that was truly different than anything I had ever come in contact. I had never, you know, my sister was the prima donna of the family. And you now were the prima donna of our family, of my family. Yes. And indeed. you got away with everything. <laughs> and so,
1: Not everything.
3: Everything. And so I was, I had no idea how to raise you. And your mom was, she knew exactly what to do, but somehow or another, I just didn't. And I was clueless.
0: You did a great job, dad. Look at Blair now. Like she is the product clearly of two parents who together and separately, you know, in raising her did a great job. So I hope that you do take some of that credit because she's pretty awesome.
3: She is an awesome person, truly is. And I'm so, so proud of her.
1: Okay, listen, we can turn this in from Father's Day into Blair Day. <laughs> well,
3: it's your podcast. And you do whatever.
1: <laughs> For sure. How has becoming a grandpa, a papa, affected your views on parenthood and fatherhood and all that good stuff?
3: It's a long look back. I can now appreciate the differences in children that I didn't have before. I was, again, clueless. I've been clueless most of my life, but I was clueless about how kids react to certain things. And only now, as I look back as a grandfather, do I understand both you and your brother how how I could have done better because, you know, parenting is such a difficult thing.
1: <sighs> yes, it is. But you're a great papa and they love you so much.
3: Well, they always love their papas because, you know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it's, they're different people and, you know, they're your father, mother and all that stuff. And so, you know, they find interest in that. But it's truly a different scenario when you look back. And it's all about grandfathering or grandparenting is always the look back. The look back of what it was, how it was. You think of all the mistakes you made. You think of all the things that you did. But what happens is you get an appreciation for the kid and what that child is all about. And really is, I love it. I love it.
1: Aw, and they love you. And so do I. Dad, thanks for like such a beautiful interview. I really appreciate it.
3: Well, thanks for having me.
1: Yeah. Any t- you come on anytime. Please come on anytime. Chuck Brooks. Okay. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Okay. Well, sure.
1: <laughs> Happy Father's Day, Dad.
3: Thank you very much. I love you. I love you too. I'm so proud of both of you, but particularly you, Blair. Particularly you.
1: When he said both of you,
0: I think he meant both of his children, but I took it as me and Blair. <laughs> Because I'm one of your kids now, Chuck I thought, I thought he meant Mo- you, Molly.
3: Molly, I did mean you.
2: Oh,
0: oh wow. well, don't mind if I doodly do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being here. Happy Father's Day.
3: Thank you very much. Be good. Bye-bye now.
0: We'll be right back, Todd Berg's listeners. Stick around.
6: I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood.
0: We're back here on Toddler Purgatory, and remember the time we had not one, but both of our dads on the pod. (laughs) Heyo! Oh, what a
1: good time!
0: That was awesome! Not only to talk to them, but also I haven't talked to my dad in a while, and I am incredibly grateful to have had even just 15 minutes
1: to chat with him today. Oh, that's so nice. I talk to my dad almost every night, only but not like much, only because my daughter insists on FaceTiming them. That's really sweet. And whenever... She faced him them. She's always like, where's Papa? Grandma, where's Papa? Put Papa on. And my dad gets on. He's like, hey there, little one. <laughs> and then he's like, I'd love to get back to my World War II documentary if we could just hurry this conversation up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, how much does a three-year-old have to update her Papa in tw- less than 24
1: hours? Nada. Nothing. It's just like just a bunch of dumb questions and observations about what's sticking to his face. Yeah, so sweet.
0: (laughs) That's really sweet. And also, how lucky are we to be able to talk to our dads? Absolutely. I'm incredibly grateful. Mm -hmm. Incredibly happy to have done it. Incredibly happy to have met Chuck Brooks. Right,
1: same here with Dick Lloyd. So great. I mean, we reference them and talk about them on this pod enough. Right, and then we get to see their faces. Molly, what's something that like your dad said that really hit home for you? Or maybe you hadn't heard before. They were like, dad. Yeah.
0: Well, I think one thing that stood out to me, and I kind of had an idea of this, but growing up, how he said there wasn't such a thing as or an emphasis on truly parenting like there is now. Right. They, it was just like you were in a family and you existed. It was more about discipline.
1: Discipline. Mm-hmm.
0: And I thought that was interesting. And I did know we've talked before about how my grandpa, who was a very warm and loving and funny grandpa to me and my sister and my cousins. We have a lot of cousins. We have a nice big family. But he was a great grandpa. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: But my dad also, and your dad's saying the same thing, is that they kind of realized as they got older, they softened. Yep. And I thought it was interesting. And I think that was a byproduct not only of the time that our dads were raised in. Our dads were raised in the 50s and 60s. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's a different time.
0: Yes. How much have we learned since then about the role of the
1: parent in a child's life? Yeah. Yeah. And just like the how certain parenting tactics... Mm really, truly affect what that child becomes, the adult the child becomes. And I think that's part of it too, is that, you know, you realize, and I think this is a perspective that you get just in becoming older. It's that thing of like seeing our children and knowing that the whole baby stage, the whole like toddler, like this time in purgatory is truly so short that they are going to be like fully grown adults, the majority of their lifespan. And like this part is so short. And I think that like, That's not the perspective that was so much in the 50s and 60s and, you know, back in the yonder days. And that you soften because you realize that you don't get that time back. Yeah. And that there are things that you missed or things that you could have, like, you know, done more of, you know, all the the things.
0: Yeah. All that stuff. And also they get to enjoy our children. Yes. Because when we were children, they had to work.
1: Work, 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 work. Or
0: they had to, you know, my dad said they were establishing careers. He was uh, in the Navy Reserves. Like, so now they get to look at our kids and go, this is the beauty of childhood. And maybe they did unfortunately have to miss some of that. Yeah. Because they were busy living their lives, you know? And times are so different now. Now we have the very sort of I don't want to say common, but like somewhat common choice of people decide not to have kids. Back in the 50s and 60s, people just had kids. That's what you did. And it's great to be able to see these men, whom we love and truly adore, having these realizations a little later in life about how their dads were, you know, my dad said his dad was distant. Your dad said his dad was, you know, demanding. And I don't think that being demanding or having high expectations for your kids or or being a pillar of strength for your kid is necessarily a bad Mm-mm. thing at all cuz we want them to look up and say i can be strong i don't mean physically but like i can be someone who holds themselves with great strength and nobility like awesome
1: for sure but yeah
0: and we have learned that Hand in hand with that is the ability to show them your softness.
1: Your vulnerability. Absolutely.
0: Your vulnerability. So they know that crying doesn't make them weak. It's actually
1: brave. Yes. Because you're showing me your heart. It is a strength. Absolutely. And I thought it too was so interesting that both of our dads put such an emphasis on listening to their children. Mm -hmm. And how they both talked about that and how that's like something that they both did and Something that both of us just soaked up.
0: <laughs> yeah, they did. But also I like their honesty. Yeah. About like how my dad said, sometimes I didn't listen. I read Time Magazine and he's right. Right. Yeah. Like I remember my mom putting her book down. They're big readers. Also, there were no phones. There were no phones. I read on my phone. <laughs> yeah. I do too.
1: Facebook. Memes.
0: Yeah, I know. And then we sent them to each other. Yeah, my mom would put her book down and she was sort of, she did fulfill that role at most of the time, to be honest, of the parent who who listened and truly, you know, let us just kind of have verbal diarrhea about our very exciting days. (laughs) But that, you know, the role of the dad has changed. And, you know, my dad and I have a great relationship, so it's fine. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's the thing is like,
1: it's going to be fine. Exactly. And I think that there's like encouragement and hope. This may sound weird, but even for those of us who grew up with parents who may or dads who seem distant and whatnot, just know that it was a generational thing and that it doesn't mean that they necessarily were doing it on purpose. It was just like the demands of society and cultural stuff and that maybe the gift of vulnerability hasn't been given to them. But deep down, they do know. I really do believe that. I really do believe that in life and in growth and in as we get older, there is something that there's a little voice inside of us that says, oh, yeah, wait a second. Hey, this is what's really up. This is what it's really about. Like, give yourself some space and grace. You did okay, you know?
0: Yeah. And I think that in order to move forward in our life and learn the lessons of our dad's that may have been distant that may have not been brave enough to show their vulnerability or felt supported enough if we forgive them whether they're still with us on this <laughs> in this life or not if they've moved on if we forgive them we will be the better for it
1: absolutely
0: i think that if those among us including you and i you know we look at our fathers and they learned lessons from their fathers on what worked and what didn't. And that's what we can do too. We're lucky enough to be in a position where we can look at the things that worked when we were kids and the things that didn't. And this is our life now. These are our kids. And we can take the lessons that we learned and hopefully use them to help us raise the best kids we can and to love them and support them in their choices.
1: It's the gift of knowing. The gift of knowing better.
0: Yeah. Thank you to Chuck Brooks and Dick Thanks, Lloyd. dads. We love you, dads. And even though each of us barely know the other's dad, we do love them. I love Chuck Brooks. Aw, I love Dick Lloyd. Yeah. And we love you, listeners, as we try to tell you every week, because it's true. Very. We're all in this together. And let's continue to be held by the bonds of
1: love to each other. Yes. And happy Father's Day to all those fathers out there and to all those people that be doing the father thing. Yes, in whatever way that is. Whatever way that is, we appreciate you. And we love you. And so do those people that you yes, take care of. they do. Thank you all so
0: much for being here. And we'll see you next week on Toddler Purgatory. We love you and goodbye.
1: Take it easy.
4: you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.
7: Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free,